In lots of ways, Christmas is a moment where we do think about those life-changing events. Charles Dickens was really smart when he saw the power of Christmas to to focus our minds on life-changing events. If you know the story Christmas Carol, you'll know about Ebenezer Scrooge. What does he do? What do those three ghosts of Christmas, Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future, what do they do? They, They invite Scrooge to go on a journey to look at moments in the past that have been absolutely critical to where he is today. And then to invite him, really, to ask the question, what about the moments now, and how are you going to decide for the future? Christmas does that for us. I think any kind of emotional moment does that for us. And I wanted to spend just a few minutes thinking about the reading that we had a little bit earlier. It's a really well-known story if you taking your kids or your grandchildren or friends' children or you remember it yourself to nativity plays over the next few weeks. Some of you will get the the dubious honor of being one of the kings. And uh, you'll turn up with a a gift for the baby Jesus that's in in the manger and it's all kind of really cute. And you'll actually arrive with a shepherd, and uh, Mary and Joseph will be in the stable and all of that kind of thing. And it's really great. It's a really, really well-known event in the story of uh, Christmas. But in in reality, it wasn't quite like that. Uh, Mary and Joseph had been living in Jerusalem for 18 months to two years when the Magi turned up. It seems from the way the Bible describes it, they'd been there for a while. Which is why Herod actually arranged for all of the young boys to be killed. The kind of great big star that floats around, seemingly about ten foot above the manger, it wasn't really like that. It would seem as though these Eastern mystics were maybe involved in some sort of astrology. They were interested in the formations of the stars. They saw something really interesting. They saw something amazing uh, from their observation, and they decided to make an incredibly long journey uh, to find out what had gone on and to see what they understood to be a king having been born. Verse 11 of our reading, I think, is one of their life-changing moments. Verse 11 says this, they come into the house, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That's what they did. It's a bit strange really, isn't it? Grown men, it would seem powerful men, wealthy men who were able to make a trip like this, who had previously gained access to Herod's palace as they arrived in Jerusalem, which they assumed was the place where a king was born, they bowed down in front of a little child. In the ancient world, to bow down was something, as as an older guy, it was something that would just never be done. 
I think in lots of ways we, we really love our kids these days, don't we? And, and in lots of ways they have a pride of place in our lives. Sometimes I think we feel as if we're kind of bound down to them sometimes. Never in the ancient world would that ever happen. Except for one occasion. When there was a realization that the child that they were in front of was a king. Born into a heritage which would guarantee him that status. And they communicate that that's what they believe because they bring these three gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, to two peasants who were living in Bethlehem with a little child. It's a remarkable moment. What's even more remarkable is that they'd come from hundreds and hundreds of miles to see this little child. And the king of the Jews, Herod at the time, it was lost on him. He didn't see the significance. In fact, he was more concerned and worried. These mystical men had received a message from God not to go back the way that they'd arrived and tell Herod where the child was. They went a different way and avoided him. And verse 16 says, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had heard from the Magi. Do you see that? Two years and under. So they see a star, they tell Herod when it appeared, and he thinks that must have been when the child was born. I'm going to get rid of, this is like Game of Thrones in real time, isn't it? I'm going to go and make sure that I kill that child so that I cannot be overturned. Life-changing moment number one for these guys. We don't know whether there were three. I'm quite happy to imagine there were three. That's fine. Three gifts. It seems there might be three. So let's say that there were three that day. What's the life-changing moment for them? First thing that we could see as a possible life-changing moment isn't even in our account. It only refers to it in verse 2. They asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. That's a life-changing moment. They saw something and they did something as a result of seeing it. Their lives would never be the same again having made that journey. A journey, we, we go on lots of journeys, don't we? And I guess for many of us, those journeys are kind of, they're figurative journeys, journeys of our careers, journeys of our sporting journey, journeys of our academic journey, whatever it might be, we go on journeys. These guys went on a real journey that would change their life forever. Second life-changing moment, I think it's a realization. They arrive in Jerusalem and in verse 4 it says, when he had called together, this is Herod, he'd called together all of the people's chief priests and teachers of the law. He asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. That was, that was kind of amazing because 
Jerusalem was the capital, so there is every expectation that a king is going to be born in Jerusalem. Why wasn't it Jerusalem? For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who, would she- who will shepherd my people, Israel. What's the life-changing moment there for these guys? I think it's a moment when they realize that they are part of a much bigger story. A story that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years when this moment was predicted. It was spoken about. You think it's going to be in Jerusalem, the king? It's going to be in Bethlehem. These guys become part of a story. Being part of something is amazing, isn't it? If it's a good thing. I've kind of just been able to be a tiny, tiny little part of your journey for the past five years. I'll tell you what, it has been amazing at times. It has been incredible. Filled with highs, incredibly emotional moments, and filled with lows at times. And, and being part of that is, is amazing, but it is nothing compared to being part of a story that lasts for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And that's what these guys realized at that moment. Life-changing moment number three. Having been warned, this is verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That is a life-changing moment for those guys. If they had just gone back the way that they had planned, the whole of history would be completely different. The whole of history. We would not live in 2018 if that event hadn't taken place because our calendar is even written around the life of this one child. The whole of human history would have been different if they'd gone back to Jerusalem and they told Herod and Herod had successfully gone to Bethlehem and killed all of those children and Jesus had been included. But the life-changing moment is a voice from God in that particular time. Divine intervention to save the Magi and to save a child. Life-changing moment number four. It's not written down, but I just want us to kind of wear the shoes and live the life of those Magi just for a few minutes. I wonder what happened after this. I wonder what went on in their lives from here on. I wonder whether they kept up to date with what happened with their expectations of the king. They would have only had to live another 30 years from this event to hear that the one that they had gone to worship had lived a life which was extraordinary. He had shaken the ruling elite. He had challenged Roman rule. 
And for all of that, he had been killed. And now people were claiming that the one who had been killed had come back to life and that he lived. I wonder what it must have been like for them to to consider that their moment, 30-odd years earlier, when they had seen those peasant parents with a tiny baby, could turn out the way that it did. That's pure speculation. But I could imagine that if you've been involved in something so huge, if you've made a life-changing journey in the way that you did, you'd want to find out how it ended up, wouldn't you? You see, when we pause and consider their life-changing moments, we actually realize that they are all interconnected. One happens because of the other. And it happens because of the other, and it happens because of the other. Right the way back into their early childhood where they first started to take an interest in the stars, which caused them one day to look into the night sky and decide to go on a journey. You see, that is the way it is for us, isn't it? Our life events, our journey, has moments which we feel as though they are incredibly life-changing, But the reality is that they would never have happened if it hadn't been for two, three, four, five, twenty, thirty, a hundred things that had gone before. I guess what the Magi realized as they started to take that journey, worship that child, travel back, was that they realized that they had heard, in a sense, the voice of God when they looked up into the night sky and they saw a star formation that caused them to leave where they lived and go on a journey. So that they became part of an incredible story. They became part of those first people outside of the Jews, remarkably, within the first two years of his life, outside of the Jews who would worship Jesus as king. We think about Charles Dickens. And, uh, and he, he, he makes us think about Ebenezer Scrooge in the way that the events of the past have resulted in us being where we are today. The absolute reality is that we are all here this evening because of combination of events in life. Strange events, surprising events. I don't know what that might be for you. Maybe it was the day that you got a phone call that said that you were actually able to turn professional and play this game for money instead of for fun. Remember, it's still fun, guys. That you could actually fulfill those dreams. That telephone call is intimately connected to us being here today. Maybe it is because you moved into this area and you ended up coming along on a Sunday afternoon regularly. All of those interconnected moments are opportunities for us to realize the voice of God speaking to us.
What is he saying? I think it's a really interesting question. In those moments, what is God saying to us? I think what he's saying is, consider this. I'm presenting before you a little child every Christmas. And like Scrooge's ghost of Christmas past, I want to invite you to go all the way back then and consider what that means. See, that child who was born, who was honored by Eastern Magi, who lived a peasant life, who died, who lived, is a child who is still worshipped today by grown men and women who consider that it is not utterly ridiculous to see that child as the king of heaven and earth. That is the message of Christmas. To recognize that the one who's in a manger as shepherds arrive, to realize the one who's in a little house in Bethlehem when Magi arrive from the east, is the one who is still celebrated throughout the world with more people than ever in human history who would be prepared to say, I believe that that is the King of heaven and earth, no less than the Son of God. That's why Christmas is good news. Because it claims and demands that we consider this, that God has arrived here not as some kind of massive tyrant for us all to be terrified of, but actually with the innocence of a child so that we might welcome, so that we might consider that the God of heaven and earth is one that we might build a relationship with. I speculate. I wonder what the shepherds, I wonder what the magi did in years to come. Whether they kept up with the story, whether they decided to find out what happened. I find it bordering on impossible to consider that they wouldn't have wanted to. But what we are invited to do every Christmas is to consider exactly their life in relation to our lives.